Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. get into the word. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's uh, ask the Lord to bless this time. Because uh, Christianity is a participatory sport. You can't just sit there and uh, expect God to just like force feed you, force feed your heart. He requires you to open up the door to your heart and then he will provide the power. He'll provide the nourishment. He'll provide the seed. But we have to say yes So what we're doing now as we stand up before the king is we're going to say yes to Jesus. We're opening up our hearts. We're saying, have your way in me. Even the stuff that I really want to kind of hold on to, I'm going to let go. Because God is powerful and God desires to have all of us, all of our hearts. He does not want us to keep portions of it set aside that we're kind of keeping, you know, to keep hidden and as if God doesn't know. Right? You know, we're like, I'm going to give you everything except for this. I'll tell you about that later. God's like, I already know about that. You know, I'm a little bit bigger than you. So just give it to me. Let me take care of it. I loved, I heard, I saw an interview this past week. There was a, a man, uh, I don't remember, I don't remember where they were at, but he was um, talking to a pastor, young guy in his 20s, and he said to this pastor, he said, Hey, can I smoke mar- can I smoke pot and still be a Christian? The pastor said, "Yes." No explanation. I love that. Just yes. The the man thought maybe he didn't quite understand what pot was. He said, "Can I smoke marijuana and still be a Christian?" The pastor says, "Yes." Still confused, he pulled out a joint showed the pastor and he said, can I smoke this right here and still be a Christian? And the pastor said this, I thought it was a super cool question. He says, let me ask you a question. Do you always try to clean yourself up before you take a shower? Great answer. The stuff that we bring to the Lord, he's big enough to take it. He may not deal with that man about whatever sin he has for months, for years maybe. But at some point in time, he and the Lord will have a conversation about that. But in the meantime, it's not like God doesn't isn't aware. You know? Jeez. You guys are, you guys are, yeah. All right. Sit down if you're perfect. Remain standing if you want to pray with me. Okay. Father God, we come before you in your throne room. This is like your throne room, Lord. This is your sanctuary. We come into your operating room and we say, have at it. Have at it. Implant in me your word. Because we know this. So produce in me whatever it is that you desire for me to have a harvest in even now. We pray that as your word is delivered, that it would be received in open hearts. We open up the door. Have your way. For it's in your name we pray. Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I just um, have sensed for a little bit inside um, that some people, um, you know, Jesus is pretty tenderhearted. 
and that um, there are people that maybe feel like you have some secret places that God doesn't want and he wants them because he's so tender-hearted and he's so gracious and he wants those secret places and it's it's not going to be as bad as you think to give it over um, I had a vision years ago when pastor was just uh, standing here and I was in this big room in this bathroom with a big, huge clawfoot tub. Can I get a witness over a clawfoot tub? Big clawfoot tub. But I was splashing the water on me, and Jesus just said, sit down on the water. And so I just release that to you right now. Just sit down in his water, and he just washes it away. Stop trying in your own making to make it go away because he is faithful he's not a respecter of persons he loves us all he loves us all as if we're the only one he loves right now i'm the only one he loves right now you're the only one he loves because that's the kind of god he is so just sit down in the presence and just let it go let the water just wash it because that's what he has for you he is so gracious and he's so abundant with love and mercy your secret i'm just sorry it's not big enough to bother him. Yaman. So this is Faith Weekend. Uh, yeah. By the way, you guys are, you guys are driving me nuts a little bit. I'll tell you why. Because I've seen, like, I thought it would be super cool to put on Facebook, social media, like a question, to pose a question to you. And to come up here, because the question was, define faith. What is faith? I've seen other pastors do it, you know. They'll get like 500 responses, you know. And they'll come up and they'll pick the top three and say, this is what you guys say faith is. Uh, zero. Zero. You got, you got me nothing. Like, I'm up here with zero definition for faith. I can't believe neither one of my followers saw it. Uh, I don't know. I posted it on my own page. And we posted it on Salt Page. Both. All right. Maybe it never... I probably didn't push the send button. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. It was like I typed it all out. It's so nice. Define this for me. It's going to be a great... It's not on there. All right. I drive myself nuts. That's what I do. All right, so there's a there's a, a progression. And I think it's super cool uh, what the Lord is doing. So last year, the Lord gave me a word for this church that we are to be established. Interestingly, though, the passage of Scripture that he gave me in order to be established was when the, the king of Israel was getting ready to do battle with five other nations at the same time. And he was super scared, super nervous, just kind of like, you could just feel like the impending doom. You're like, tomorrow we're going to war and we will lose. That would be the feeling that you would get. But he did something awesome. He called the whole assembly together to pray, to petition God, and to seek out what, how it was that God was going to deliver them. And God gave them very clear instructions that you won't have to fight. I will battle for you. You won't have to lift a finger. That's good news. 
I'm like, whew. If I were the king, if I were the general, if I was like a Minuteman soldier, I don't know, like I would be like, yeah. However, the king, this is what he did the very next morning. He gets up early in the morning, goes throughout the whole camp, and he encourages them. He, he has them get up early to get prepared, to get ready, to put on the armor. And then he said that God has this. You won't have to do anything. And he did that in order that they would be established. I think the reason that the Lord desires for his church, his bride, his people, his family to be established is because we will have times when we have trouble. We will have times when we have crisis. We all have times when we're like facing battles and barriers and obstacles. And he doesn't want us to turn tail and run. He doesn't want us to just be like in fear. He doesn't want us to be like, forget this God thing. He wants us to be so established in who we are in him that no matter what happens in this world, we understand that there's an eternity. And we won't turn and run. We will stand and be strong no matter what comes down the pike. We need to be established. And then it was definitely a word from God for all of last year. So at the end of December, I was starting to get a little nervous. I'm like, we're at the end of the year, Lord. <laughs> Give me something for next year. And he said, um, this is the year that we are, this is the year of blessing. This is the year that we are supposed to bless. You've been established as a body. You've been established as my people. Now go and be a blessing to others. Not a physical blessing necessarily, but a spiritual blessing. It was in Genesis chapter 47 when the Lord gave that to me. I was reading through that passage of scripture. So, you know, it's at the end of Genesis. It's the whole, you know, depiction of Joseph. You know, Joseph, man of integrity, Joseph had these dreams, got sold into slavery. He got promoted to be an inmate. And then he got promoted to be second in charge of all of Egypt, just underneath the Pharaoh. Meanwhile, there was a worldwide famine going on. His family, Joseph's dad, Jacob, and all his brothers, they're going through hunger, starvation. They, they, were, probably well, they probably were well established, probably wealthy, and then they became poor. They had nothing. They couldn't even eat. They didn't know, like... I'm not going to go into the whole story, but fast forward to the end of Genesis, Genesis 47. They moved into, the, into Goshen. They moved into Egypt's territory. Uh, Joseph brings his dad, Jacob, into an audience with the king, the pharaoh. Here he is. He comes into the king. He's been transplanted. He's no longer where he was. He's now living in Egypt. He's got nothing. He's brand new. He didn't go because he got a, like a six-figure job, right? He didn't move across the land because like, oh, land of opportunity. No, he moved because he was hungry. And his son said, come over here. I don't know about you, but I don't want to move anywhere that I'm going to have to rely on one of my kids. Well, maybe. It's on you guys. I'll be moving in. Uh, he has this audience with the king. Pharaoh's rich. Pharaoh's got abundant supply. He's got tremendous wealth. He gives Jacob a home. He gives them jobs. He gives them food. He gives them security. He's like, you'll never have to worry about anything ever again. 
you belong here. And that God's assessment of what took place there was not that the king blessed Jacob, but Jacob blessed the king. It says, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I don't know how. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he just prayed for him. But he came with nothing but the presence of God, and he came into what's representative of the world. And the world had all sorts of wealth and security to offer. But God said, no, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And so now we're in the in this season in which we are the Jacobs. We're the ones, not we as in Salt Church, but we as in God's bride, God's people. We are supposed to bless the world. We're supposed to bless them spiritually, pray for them, heal them, you know, convict them, uh, be concerned about their eternities, whatever. But you can't do that if you yourself are bound, if you yourself aren't free. So we had Freedom Weekend. God's like, we're going to have Freedom Weekend, and we're going to get people off of the addictions of pornography, off of the addictions of drugs, off of the addictions of technology, off of playing games for no apparent reason. Hello? Is that any of you guys? Yeah? I'm all in or I'm all out. When, when Chris and I first got married, I, I started to get addicted to, uh, I don't even remember the name, Asteroids. Asteroids was the name of the game. I'd come home from work, and I'd be like, I'm playing Asteroids. And it would be like three hours later, I'd be like, what's for dinner? And the Lord said, uh, boom, you need to, you're becoming addicted. And so I thought, all right, I'll temper that. I just will play for a short period of time tomorrow. And then, you know, instead of three hours, I played for two hours and 59 minutes. I'm like, well, this isn't working. So this is what I told the Lord. I said, all right, you want me to not be addicted to this? I know, this is such a bad example. Some people are struggling with drugs and all sorts of... You're like, he's talking about asteroids. But I told the Lord, I said, okay, here it is. I will never, ever play that game again as long as I'm on this earth. Period. And I was done. It broke it. I'm all in or I'm all out. And I was done. Years later, years like 10, 12, 13, 78 years later, I don't know how many, um, I'm cleaning out the computer area, and I see, I mean, this is, this is how old it was. It wasn't like a game that's on your computer. It's a game that's like on a, on a disc or something, you know? And uh, cartridge, yeah. It's like, what is this, you know? Never you mind, son. It's okay. Uh, I'm like, oh, I remember this. And I started to put it in the computer. And then the Lord reminded me, thought you weren't going to do that. And I threw it away. I probably should have thrown it away then. So we have to be free in order to bless. This is what God desires for us to do. So then what, then I come up, not I, the Lord told me during worship service, it's always good when the Lord tells you what to preach the following week to tell the people when you're 100% ill-prepared. So I'm like, he says, it's going to be faith weekend now. So why? Why faith weekend? Because if you go out and try to bless others without faith, you might as well play asteroids. Like, it's not going to work. Like, we have to have faith. And what is faith? You guys didn't answer that question. I'm going to say it this. I know Hebrews 11.1. 1, 
you know, people are going to talk about, oh, that's the definition of faith is right in the Bible. It is, but I'm going to make it even simpler for you. Faith, all right, let me, let me just, before I give you this, when the Lord gave me last week that this was going to be faith week and it was during worship and I stood up here and told everybody, this is going to be faith week and, and the reason I did that is so that I couldn't back out. You know, if I, if I make it public, you said. And I even said when I was telling you guys this, I said, so I don't know what that means. I, I don't, I'm not sure what this is going to look like, but bring your unbelieving friends. And then we went back into worship, or maybe I heard the message. I don't remember, but the Lord spoke to me again and said, I never said anything about unbelieving friends. Why did you say that? Because what he essentially was saying to me was, this isn't, faith isn't for unbelievers, it's for believers. Uh, my church really doesn't know what faith is. I heard this saying recently, I thought it was super cool. Um, there's a pastor preaching, and he talked about how the church is really good on salvation and nothing else. He said, you know, you, we, tell, we tell our people, put on the full armor of God. And, our, my, you know, God's church is only putting on the helmet of salvation and nothing else. And he said, we've got a bunch of spiritual streakers going on. They got nothing on but a helmet running around. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, righteousness. I thought we lived in a world of grace. I thought this was New Testament. Guess what? Grace will teach you to be righteous. If you're not living righteously, it's because you never really got a hold of grace. Titus 2.12. Actually, I'm not just spewing this off. This is what the Word of God says. If you get a hold of grace, you will start living more righteously than you did before. It teaches you to turn away from ungodly things and to be righteous. We need to have feet shod and ready with the gospel of peace. And we need to have a shield of faith. We can't be Christians where we said a particular prayer and I'm in. We have, to, we have to put this armor. It says put on the full armor of God. Put it on. And I know that there's been, I mean, if, you were, if you've been a Christian, especially for many, many years, you know, you've probably had uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School. I was a Christian for a number of years before I even knew what VBS stood for. It stands for Vacation Bible School. People started talking about VBS. I thought it was some sort of a venereal disease that people were trying to get freed up from. I'm like, I'm not going up there. You know, for years I didn't volunteer. I don't want that. Uh, anyway, I digress. For, 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 for years, you'd have a children's sermon or a vacation Bible school illustration in which somebody would come up here and they would have this like this breastplate on and they'd have a shield and a sword, which is the word of God. And we all think that that's a really cool illustration. And we focused on the sword and the breastplate and the shield instead of what they actually represented. We actually need to be talking about yielding the word of God. 
We need to be talking about living righteously. We need to be talking about having faith. And these things don't happen automatically. These things are something that we learn and be discipled in and that we take in the word of God. Because the seed, when we take it in, actually produces something in our lives. And we can't just walk around like, oh, I get out of, I get out of hell free and not actually live this thing out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What that means is it does not say faith comes by having heard. It is a current present day thing. You can't live your life based on faith that you had 20 years ago. You've got to live your life based on the faith of the word that you hear today. And when we hear the word today, it actually changes us. It molds us. It shapes us. and makes us ready to go out and give the gospel of peace. We can't be discipled 15 years ago in a Sunday school class that's outdated and walk into Walmart today and be like, well, 15 years ago, I was, I was playing asteroids. You know, like, who cares about asteroids? We need to be prepared for today so that when we go out into the world, we're ready for now because we've got an enemy. There's a reason why we put on this armor And there's a reason why there's nothing on the backside because we're marching forward and we're not turning our back. We're going into the enemy's camp and we're going to present this seed and people's lives will be changed. That's what we're all about as God's bride. That's who we are. We've got to get a word of prophecy and speak it out over people. Prophecy? Nobody ever taught me about prophecy. Man, I had a vision, which is really a a, a prophecy in pictorial form. I had a vision years ago about this community, about who we are and what we need to be. You know, this sanctuary isn't like 50 by 60. This city is our sanctuary. This city belongs to the Lord. This region is a sanctuary. If a city can be known for sin, then a city can be known for Jesus. So we got to walk around this city and we got to be the ambassadors that he's called us to be. But there's a fight involved. And so many times Christians are so wimpy that as soon as the enemy speaks any kind of death into our lives, we fold like a $2 suitcase and we don't stand up to the enemy with the sword and, and take its head off. Think of like David taking the head off Goliath. He's the only one in the Bible that really knew how to get ahead. And we really got to do this thing. There's a fight. Jesus like multiplied fishes and loaves. There's like 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not including women and children. There's probably 15,000 minimum people that he fed. It was a miracle. It was awesome. I'd love to have been there. I'd eaten a lot of fish. I'd eaten her portion. She don't even like fish. She could eat the bread, I'll eat the fish. The next day, all these people are coming to Jesus again. They're like, ooh, we're coming to this man. There's a miracle. And Jesus turned to them. Jesus never minced words, did he? He said, you're not here because of the signs. You're here because you were fed. You need to stop working for food that perishes and start working for food that's eternal, that lasts forever. And their question is, Lord, where is this food that we can get that lasts forever? And he said, this is the food of the kingdom, to believe in me. 
Believe in Jesus. Not just believe with the helmet of salvation, but believe in his word. Believe that he heals. Believe that he provides. Believe that he delivers. Believe that he's your friend. Believe that he's your savior. Believe that he's your healer. Believe in Jesus. Current, right now, belief in what he's doing. So that when you walk in wherever you're going in this region that's God's sanctuary, we could walk in not with like, uh, are you saved? No, we'll walk in with the word of God that says, I understand God told me this, let's pray. We'll walk in knowing who Jesus is. We're not walking in on our own. You think this thing at Asbury is because those Asburyans have great musical talent? No. It's because I love the fact, I listened to the message. The message that stirred Asbury, right? It was like nothing, no fanfare. Nothing great. But it was the word of God. And the guy just took like, I don't know, five, six verses. He just went bang, 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 bang. And then I love the way the pastor handled it. He just just delivered their word and walked off. He just left. And then the musicians came up and said, you guys have revival. I did my part. And he did because he wasn't trying to make anything like weird. He just said, this is the word of God. And actually, that's what faith is. Just simply believing the word. That's faith. To believe what Jesus said. Period. That is the work of the kingdom. That's the work. Can you imagine on Judgment Day, right? We're going up. Okay, Gernovich. Yes. Why should I let you? Oh, I, I volunteered in nursery. I don't care. I serve breakfast. Who cares? Let, let me, I want you guys serving breakfast. Uh, I want you to do a nursery. Don't get me wrong. But that's not entering, that's not doing anything for your spiritual life. To believe in what Jesus said. We don't do anything to earn anything, but we receive everything, and that's why we do stuff. It's not, I'll believe it when I see it. It's, I see it because I believe it. We believe in the Word of God. Well, I haven't even gotten to my notes yet. You guys listen real slow. I just want to throw this out, this verse out here. I love that the fact that Jesus is not a respecter of persons. He loves you guys right, right underneath his love for me. I'm the favorite. You guys are a close second. He loves us all. He loves you. He cares about you. He's got his eyes on you. There isn't anything that you're experiencing that isn't in his wheelhouse. He sees you, and that's awesome. But there's something that he desires for us. He desires for us to be great. And guess what? He's not, it's not equal. Some of you are greater than others, according to the kingdom. 
He loves us the same. But he wants you to be greater than you are. And some of you are greater than others. And I could prove that in Scripture. I'm going to do that because some of you are looking at me like, not me, I don't know what. Um, Listen to this verse. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. That's the word of God. Now, why is the one that prophesies greater than the one that speaks in tongues? Here's the definition. Here's the reason for that. has nothing to do with ability or talent or some sort of special anointing. It's because the one who speaks in tongues edifies one person, himself or herself. But the one who prophesies edifies the whole church. So the definition of being great in the eyes of the kingdom is those that can bless more people. So if you want to be great, you got to start blessing people, not with money, unless that's the way the Lord tells you to do that. And if that's what he's telling you, I live at 180 Wright Street. So, but he desires for us to be ones who bless people, to be the Jacobs in the midst of the kings. To walk up to people that have more wealth, have more land, have more whatever, have more success in the world's sense. But if the Lord is going to assess the circumstance, he'll say, and you blessed the king. You blessed Pharaoh. There's a fight, though. I want to read the scripture from 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a book that Paul wrote to encourage his son in the faith, Timothy. We know from the Bible who his mom and grandmother are, and and we know his dad was a Gentile. So Timothy was half Jewish and half Gentile, which in that culture was like kind of lower class. But Paul, like Saul, actually called him a man of God. And there aren't too many people in the Bible, actually, that are called a man of God. And Timothy was one of them. He was a great man. Historians say that he was uh, small in stature and weak and frail. But he was depicted as a great man of God. And I love the fact that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy to encourage him in that. And the reason why I love that is because Paul was in prison when he wrote it. So the guy that's in prison writes a letter to encourage the one that's free. Isn't that just like the kingdom? Verse 18 is what I wanted to kind of highlight. It says, Paul's writing this to Timothy. Obviously, Timothy is in charge of a group of people, and he's probably wavering. He's probably, um, he's probably been bit by a couple sheep. You know, they told me when I was being trained by, um, to be a pastor, uh, one of the things that t- they told my class and everybody is, do not quit on Monday. Wait. Because that, sometimes you feel like, you know, you're like, man, am I, is, this thing, is this thing on? And, uh, you know, people get discouraged and stuff. Um, you guys are actually awesome. I, I don't usually feel discouraged. Um, so I don't know why I'm even saying that. Anyway. Uh, Timothy probably was discouraged. 
Paul says this charge, in some versions, says this command. It's not really a choice. It's not something he's saying, this is good advice. He's saying, I'm commanding you to do this. He says, this charge I commit to you, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So just kind of give a little explanation about this. Timothy is a leader in the church. He's probably feeling discouraged, distraught, upset. Things aren't going well. So the father in the faith who's in prison writes him a letter, says, I'm giving you this charge. I'm giving you this command. Believe the prophecies that were spoken over you. Believe the word of God. Because if you don't believe, there's a war. It says there's a war going on. And if you don't believe, your faith will suffer shipwreck. Which means you have faith and you've left the dock. But before you reach the destination that God called you to get to, you wrecked. Because we definitely have an enemy. It's just, it's just the way it is. And he's saying, believe the prophecies. I'm saying this, I'm, I'm just rewording it to you. Believe the word of God. Believe it. There's a warfare. You just got to believe it so that your faith isn't shipwrecked. And by the way, he throws in for good measure, have a good conscience. In other words, we can't like live righteously. We need the blood of Jesus. But if you're just going to take the blood of Jesus and live in sin, willy-nilly, just, I'm just going to apply the blood and go live in sin. Apply the blood and go live in sin. You're not going to have a good conscience, and your own faith will shipwreck. You have to apply the blood of Jesus over yourself because nobody's perfect. But at the same time, we must do everything we can to have a good conscience, to have a clean conscience. Create in me a clean conscience. That's the breastplate of righteousness, which is something that I just feel the church has suffered over a, a while because it's like we're grace, grace, grace. And yes, we need to have grace, but we also need to take that grace and live well, to live the way God wants us to live. Now, it's noon already. I got through. Let me just read a couple scriptures, then we're going to do communion real quick because I think it's important that we... Uh, do communion uh, today because communion it's it's the same thing that we kind of I was just mentioning about Asbury and about and some of the uh, illustrations that we already heard downstairs a little bit this morning uh, it's it's just simply people that are worshiping God but they're not just strumming chords and uh, hitting the drum heads they're literally Worshiping God, believing that God is in the house, receiving whatever it is that God has for them. And it's the same thing with communion. I don't want us to go through the motions. I don't want us to just do it because that's what we're supposed to do. I want us to do communion and actually do communion. It was mentioned downstairs that if you have something against somebody else, make sure that you take care of it. Don't just take communion. If, if you have something that's scriptural, if you've got something against somebody else, then don't take it. Go make it right with that person. That's how important this thing is. 
So some of the things, some of the scriptures, these are, yeah, I Googled, I Googled faith. That's how I did my research. About five o'clock this morning, I'm like, Lord, I need more verses. Googled faith. So here's, they were all in the New Testament, by the way. Now, I didn't choose the ones that were in the New Testament. They were all in the New Testament. There was a hundred verses. I'm not going to read all hundred to you. Yeah, thank you. But here's a few. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Jesus said to them, because of unbelief, they came to Jesus and says, why couldn't we cast out that demon? He said, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. The church has done this and not seen the mountain move and then thrown that scripture right out the window. The church has prayed to remove a mountain and the mountain didn't move. And so the people's like, I can't pray like that. No, pray and believe and don't stop believing. That could be a song. Don't stop believing. Don't let your experience rise higher than God's word. Because if you don't stop believing. See, I have tremendous strong faith for 30 seconds. And then doubt starts to waver in. Things. Chris and I were at a service a few weeks ago. We saw over 200 people healed in one night. Over 200. Oh, well, pastor, you know, some of those, that's like a, like a, you know, kind of like a, what's that thing called? I don't know. I lost the word. I think you had it. What? Say it louder. Placebo. Oh, it's like a placebo effect. Oh, yeah, maybe for some. But I mean, one guy's ribs reformed. Come on. Is that a placebo? If that's a placebo, give, I'll drink it. Like, they're not all placebo effects. They're, God moves. Now, I, I saw, we saw 200 healings. Yeah. We saw some that did not get healed. And because we saw some that did not get healed, all I'm saying is something's wrong here. And I don't think it's Jesus. He said, he said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. Well, sometimes I don't have faith. Okay, keep believing. Don't give up. There's a battle. There's warfare going on. Don't shipwreck what you prayed because you don't see it within the first 30 seconds. Keep going. God moves. God works. It's the word of God. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence and, and the violent take it by force. That doesn't mean that we're like a bunch of like weightlifting Christians at the gym getting so strong so that we could walk out and like, like grab somebody by the neck and say, you're going to believe. 
No, it's a faith warfare. It's not a physical one. So we've got to make sure that we stay strong. Take it by force. Be violent about it. Don't allow the kingdom of God to not come, come into its fullness in our own walk, in our own lives. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe. Not when it manifests, believe. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. These are, this is all basic. I get this. And some of you guys are looking at me like, well, duh. But we need to increase our faith. He must become greater. We must become smaller. That's one of the things I love about the Asbury revival is because some of the, some of the bigger names are saying, oh, we'll come and we'll preach. And you're like, nope, we got God. You can stay away. I don't need you. We got the Lord. Step aside, Jesus. I'm here. What? We become smaller. Increase him. Increase Jesus. Increase Jesus. Lord, I'm not going to go over there because uh, I, prayed for, I prayed for that guy's sister and she didn't get healed. Okay. Are you increasing yourself or are you increasing Jesus? If Jesus says go, we say okay. We don't say, oh, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if you're strong enough to heal that person. Is that what we're saying? All right. I'm trying to get through this. That's good. We're good. Let's stand. I want to, let's bring up a couple of um, communion attendants. <laughs> wow. Woo. <laughs> you guys have been promoted. You are communion attendants, attendees. You guys are the attendees. As they're going to go ahead and pass out both elements, I'll read uh, passages of Scripture in regards to that while they're passing that out, and then we'll pray. And then we're going to have a moment in which we believe Jesus for what this communion represents. says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 27, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Unworthy has absolutely zero to do with your behavior and everything to do with your spirit. It has zero to do with your actions and everything to do with your belief. It has zero to do with your ability, but everything to do with his performance, his ability, Jesus. We are not on the performance plan. We are on the grace plan. If you think that that means you need to read your word more, pray more, fast more, you've missed it. You're still performing. We need to understand that we're taking this in a worthy manner, which means we qualify because he qualified for us. Jesus 
It was Jesus' blood. It was Jesus' actions. It was Jesus' perfection. It was Jesus' performance on the cross, not ours. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning, not discerning, doesn't say not discerning your performance, it says not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Do you believe the Word of God? The Word of God says that sometimes we're sick and sometimes we die because we didn't take communion in the way He designed us to take communion. That is the Word of God. It's not a, it's not a message I tend to preach at funerals. <laughs> But it is the word of God. I heard this guy never took communion and now he's in a casket. I'm sorry, that's bad. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we examine ourselves even now. We examine ourselves in our faith level for you. Do we believe you, Lord? Do we believe your word? Do we believe in your eternal kingdom? Do we believe that you are literally building a mansion for us in heaven? Do we believe that you heal? Do we believe that you deliver? Do we believe that you restore marriages? Do we believe that you provide for us? Do we believe you, Lord? Lord, I would, I would pray to you even now that we all do believe and we all don't believe, that we all struggle and fight and this thing that you call faith. Boy, I wish you would have worded that differently, Lord. Instead of saying, you know, according to your faith, let it be done. I wish you would have said according to my faith. Well, in essence, you did. Because you gave us a measure of faith. May we lean on that. May we receive it, have it, hold it. But may we also develop it by hearing your word. Faith comes by hearing your words, Lord. You said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me.
In the same manner, he also took the cup. And this is what he said. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to have your way in each and every one of us. Amen. We're on a journey, people. We're on a journey, and God is up to something. Desires for us to say yes, so let's, let's practice saying yes all week. Whatever he says to you, say yes, 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 Lord. That's another song. Have a great week, guys. Love you. Altar is always open. If you need extra prayer, extra intervention, extra ministry time, come on up to the altar. We would love to pray for you. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. We're grateful you spent this time with us, and we hope the message today has moved you. Please be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Salt Church Podcast. God bless, and we'll see you next time.